Welcome to It's Time, the daily Bible teaching program of Mike Kessler, pastor of the River Christian Fellowship in Twin Falls, Idaho. Today we're going verse by verse through the book of John. So turn there in your Bibles as we join Pastor Mike. So the works also bore witness of who Jesus was. The very works, the last part of verse 36, that I do bear witness of me that the Father has sent me. Again, take up your bed and walk, he said to the lame man. Verse 37, And the Father himself who sent me, by Scripture literally, has testified to me and have neither heard his voice at any time, nor seen his form. But you do not have his word abiding in you, because whom he has sent, in him you don't believe. You should have really been looking for him. Now you say, well, by the works. You see, and this is what happens sometimes in people of the world, and sometimes even Christians, we look for the works of God to fit our idea. Do you know, really, the Pharisees didn't care that this lame man that laid by this pool for 38 years was healed? Because the Messiah in their mind that was going to come was going to break the Roman government off their shoulders and restore them back to their full potential, they thought. You see, what happens sometimes is that the works that God does are not the works we think are important, but those are the ones that are most important. And the ones we think God should do will not produce the maximum in our life. Verse 39. You search the Scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life, and these are which testify of me. There's a Jewish thing that says when Messiah comes, even the space between the letters in the Old Testament will mean something. You look through the Bible. You ever seen that thing, Fine Waldo? You ever seen that? And there's a whole crowd of pictures and all the little faces. And you look real close and you find Waldo with his striped shirt on. Well, actually, for you that like jigsaw puzzles and crossword puzzles, well, it's kind of like that in the Old Testament. Find Jesus. He's everywhere in the Old Testament. Children of Israel came out of Egypt. Moses, we're thirsty. Moses goes to God. God said, strike the rock. Water will come out. He goes and he strikes the rock. The Bible tells us in the New Testament that rock was Christ. The second time the children of Israel were wandering in the wilderness and they ran out of water, Moses, we're thirsty. By this time, Moses had listened to their belly aching for decades. And he says, you want water? I'll give you water. And he smites the rock. But you know, when God spoke to him, he said, speak to the rock and the water will come out. That would have even been more impressive. Rock, water, come out. Here it comes. I'd be, that's cool. I'd be a good person to have on a hiking trip. Some Perrier right there. I don't know. You know, I mean, it'd be good. Well, here's the point. 
Christ was smote for our sins once. Now to receive that forgiveness, all we need to do is speak to the rock. And of course, this is what kept Moses from going into the promised land. Because he disobeyed God. He didn't do what God had told him to do. Well, they are which testify of me. God tells the prophet to carry a water pot through the city. Get a crowd. He gets a crowd. He's got a water pot. He goes through the city, goes out of the gate, takes it outside the city gates, throws it down and breaks it and tells everybody, this is what God thinks of your sin. That vessel was Christ. Jesus was taken through the city of Jerusalem, taken outside the city walls where Golgotha was at, and he was broken, he was crushed, and he was, it, it, that's what God thought of our sins. That's why Jesus cried out, Father, Father, why hast thou forsaken me? He became your, my sins. Jesus had no sin. But he was taken outside the city walls and broken for us. All the way through the Bible, you'll see that. You'll see Jesus. So Jesus had searched the scriptures. In them you, you think you have eternal life, but these are which testify me. Jesus is directly referencing the Old Testament. There are some goofy religion Christian cults today that say, well, we're a New Testament church. We don't even study the Old Testament. Well, then, you know, it's interesting. You're in violation of what Jesus Christ said because we are commanded, search the Scriptures. In them you think you have eternal life. There which testify of me. The New Testament, friends, hadn't been written yet. Jesus is directly referencing the Old Testament. People say, well, I don't see how the Old Testament is relevant. Well, then you haven't read it. Because if you read the Old Testament, you'll see Jesus on every page. The Paschal Lamb that took away the sins of the world. Moses, before Pharaoh on the very last plague. We had a question on every man answer. It was interesting. Never been asked it before. How long was each of the plagues? My answer was, I don't know except for one. The last plague, the tenth plague. The Bible tells us it happened overnight. Without the blood on the door and on the sides, by the way, the places that Jesus bled for us. The death angel passed over that house, but the ones that didn't believe, the Bible tells us the death angel went in, killed the firstborn of all that were in the house. The point is, everywhere you go in the Old Testament, you'll find the life of Jesus being exemplified. Verse 40, he says, But you're not willing to come to me that you may have life. Isn't that sad people do this today? It's something that they're looking for. This is what the world wants. They need life. Beer commercials say, Drink our product, you'll have life. And, and because they know that that's an attraction. You can pop and pour as many beers as you want on a corpse. It will not get out of the casket. It doesn't add life. Just to let you know. I do not receive honor from men. Now friends, quick reading of this. You could breeze over it and miss it. I do not receive honor from men. People love it. They love it. The accolade of men. You know, we were talking about this the other day when we were going over to, to uh, Gooding. And it's interesting, they have the Oscar Awards. 
for the best actor. The word actor in the Greek is the word hypocrite, hypocrite, the actor. I thought it was interesting that they sat around and applaud one another on who's the best hypocrite. And they even give him a little gold statue. And I think about that and I go, that is really... They give awards to one another on the best hypocrite. They were nominated to be the best hypocrite. I don't think I would want that award myself. I do not receive honor from men. The honor that comes from God is so much more important. But I know you that you have not the love of God in you. You see, you can't worry about what everybody else thinks of you. You've got to do what God tells you to do. And you might be the only one that sees it. And if you are, God has given you a vision. You see, what God's called you to do, stay in that. Whether it be an Isaiah or an Elisha, or the Apostle Paul. You know, something that always concerned me as I read the Scripture, and this was many years ago. I've been a Christian a long time. And I remember reading about where Paul is being ready to be offered up. He said, I, I know that God's not going to spring me this time. Different times, Paul got him out, or God got him out of jail, different things. But Paul knew this was it. And he writes this farewell letter. But I thought one of the strangest things is his only Luke is with me. Isn't that weird? Here was a guy that was responsible for starting dozens of churches throughout uh, Asia Minor, encouraging people everywhere, and yet, except for Luke, he dies alone. I'm surprised that he didn't say, and only Luke and the thousands that are outside the gate are with me. No, it was just him and Luke were the only ones that were there. Luke was waiting on him. In those days, if you were in prison, if you didn't have a relative or a friend bring you food or clothes or something, you went without. So be careful of playing to the crowd. It's a dangerous place to be. I have come in my Father's name, and you don't receive me. If another comes in his own name, you will receive him. By the way, this is what the Antichrist is going to do. He is not going to come in the name of Christ. He's not going to come in the name of the Father. He's going to come in his own name. And Jesus here makes a prediction to the Jewish nation. If I come to you in the Father's name, you won't receive me. But if he comes in his own name, you will. That person you will receive. Scary stuff. How can you believe who receives honor from one another and do not seek the honor that comes only from God? Again, this goes back to the ego trip. Who receive honor from one another? You're cool. I'm cool. You're cool too. Yeah, I'm cool too. That's honor from one another. You're so good looking. Well, that's what people want. In fact, that's what a lot of people go to church to hear. You're so good looking. 
Well, what does the Bible say? We're all sinners saved by grace. There's none righteous, no, not one. From the person that walks through the door, that accepts Christ that day, to the pastor or whoever else may be in the room that's been a Christian for 50 years. It doesn't make any difference. We're all sinners saved by grace. He says, do not think that I shall accuse you to the Father. Isn't that weird? Jesus is not going to accuse the lost to the Father. Well, if you aren't going to be accused, then why wouldn't you be immediately granted eternal life? Hmm? There is one who accuses you. Oh, well, who's that? Moses, in whom you trust. Well, what did Moses do? What did Moses say? He gave them the Ten Commandments. The law will condemn them. Jesus said, look, I don't even have to judge you. I don't even have to condemn you. Why? The law is going to do that. Paul tells us, how many offenses do you have to have to be an offender? One. How many people do you have to murder to be a murderer? Well, you know, maybe 10,000. No, one. How many lies do you have to tell to be a liar? One. The law is what condemns us. That's God's standard. Now again, the law was never meant to the law was never meant to show man how good he is. The law was meant to show us God's standard and how we couldn't meet it. That's why God gave us Jesus. The Father gave us Jesus is because we needed to be forgiven. If you didn't know where you encroached, then you would not know if you broke the law or not. You know, it used to be you could go through Nevada out here, 40 miles away. And after you got past jackpot, there were no more speed limit signs. Pedal to the metal and let her roar. And people did. In fact, I had a friend that saw a car coming towards them on Highway 93 I don't know. He said, I don't know what kind of car it was because there was not not enough of it left to tell. But he said, I saw it coming towards me wide open and he said, it just disintegrated. It evidently flipped over in the high speed. It was probably going 150 miles an hour. He said, I don't know whether it was a Maserati or a Mustang or what, but he said it was just a wad when it was done. The guy died. No speed limit. So if you go wide open through Nevada at that time, with no speed limit, you weren't breaking any laws because there was no law to break. But people said, God, what is your standard? And God said, okay, this is my standard and gave us the Ten Commandments. This is what God gives us. Now the writer tells us in the New Testament, in the the epistles, says that if you offend in one, you've offended in all. There's none righteous, no, not one. You say, well, I didn't do this one. Yeah, but if you did the other one, you have come short of the glory of God. Jesus said, the one whom you trust, the one you are, Moses. They're always referring to Moses and Abraham. Our father Abraham. Or Moses taught. Well, Jesus said, Moses now is the one that's going to condemn you. Because he's the one that gave you the Ten Commandments. For if you believe Moses, you would have believed me, for he wrote about me. By the way, he wrote many things. But if you do not believe his writings, 
How will you then believe my words? You look at this and realize what God has given us. If you don't realize we're sinners, you have no... Uh, they say that one of the biggest shopping days is the 26th of December, the day after Christmas. And why is that? That's the day everybody goes back to the store and exchanges the gifts they had no need of. Giving Joe, our worship leader, a bottle of aftershave with his nice long beard. Now either they're trying to tell Joe something or they don't know Joe. So you exchange that for something you can use like a beard brush or something. Do they make those? I guess they probably do. The point is, if you have no need for the gift because you don't understand your need, you will not appreciate the gift. If we don't realize we're sinners, we have no need of Jesus. And that is the problem in the world today. You'll talk to people and they'll say, I believe in Jesus, but they simply mean I acknowledge that a historical figure named Jesus lived once upon a time a long time ago. But when we say, as a Christian, or John 3.16 He who believes in me will not perish. The word believe there means put all your faith, hope, and trust in. Like rappelling down the side of a mountain and you say, I believe in this rope. You're not saying I believe it's a rope. You're saying I believe it'll hold me up. And that's what it comes down to concerning us. If you didn't believe Moses... If you didn't believe the Ten Commandments, then you wouldn't understand me. Thou shalt not murder. Yet notice going back to verse 16. For this reason the Jews persecuted Jesus and sought to kill him. He said, if you don't believe Moses, you're not going to believe me. You know, that's one of the great things about the Word of God. It all works together. It dovetails together. You know, it's funny. Sometimes you go into... A second-hand store. I've been known to visit those. And looking for a dresser. And you go, I wonder if this is, you know, trailer house wood or whether it's really made out of something good. And one of the things you can do quickly to find out is pull a drawer open and look where the face of the drawer meets the actual drawer part that you pull out. The front of the drawer meets, if it is stapled, eh. but you'll notice if it is high quality, it will be dovetailed. In other words, they notch the face of the face of the door to the rest of the drawer and they'll go together. That lets you know that it's of quality. The Bible dovetails together. It's not a bunch of books all stuck together. It's that which you can understand. This morning, if you've never received Christ as your Savior, I want to invite you today that you can let God do something brand new in your life. And He will. But it requires us to recognize something. God, I'm a sinner. I need to be saved. I have a need for the gift. And when we do that... God will forgive us. And the Bible says He grants to us 
immediately eternal life. That's for you. Now, you don't necessarily need eternal life the day you die. You need life now. You need God to breathe life back into your dreams, back into who you are. Those dreams that are Christ-centered, God will do. If you've never prayed and received Christ as your Savior, let's pray. And then we'll have communion. Jesus said, as often as you do this, do this in remembrance of me. It's honoring what Jesus did for us. If you need Christ to come in your life, change your life, let's pray. Father, I come to you in Jesus' name. And I invite you into my life today. I know I'm a sinner. I've lived without you. I'm guilty. But you said you'd give me eternal life, now and forever. So I believe that you died on the cross for me. You took my place. Your blood covered my sins. And so now, fill me with your Holy Spirit. Make me the best I can be for you. May I be about your business. And thank you that I get to spend eternity with you. In Jesus' name, amen. Begins with a prayer. God shows you your whole life is goodness. I always think about, and I've shared this so many times, a um, couple things. Communion. I was raised in the church. It was a time for juice and crackers. I remember being 21. No, when I was five, and thinking that. And you ask the average Christian, they'll say, oh yes, the cup, the blood for Jesus, you know. And then you'll ask them, what's the bread for? And so many Christians that I've talked to don't really realize what the bread was for. It's for your healing. Peter tells us in his gospel, by his stripes we are healed. People say, well, I don't feel any flu coming on or anything like that. No, it's so complex. We are such a complex being. We have feelings and emotions, the ability to love, be loved, all those things. Those all need to be touched by Jesus Christ. They need to be healed. And, and, and oftentimes we don't realize how complex we are. And if those things aren't right, they create other problems. It's like if you get a... a, a, a a goat head in your shoe. Even though that is only poking your foot, you will limp. It will limit your ability to run. And I find that if we're not completed on a regular basis, healed, we start limping spiritually. So I would just invite you this morning as you hold that bread in your hand that you realize that Jesus was beaten so your body, mind, and spirit could be healed. And when you hold the cup that it would remind you you're valuable to God. So many people don't think they're valuable. They think they're a mistake. You're valuable to God. God's got a purpose for you and to maximize you for His glory. Thank you for joining us on It's Time as Pastor Mike teaches verse by verse through the Bible. If you've missed a program or would like to catch up, you can do so by getting it from the It's Time podcast in the iTunes store. 
or by downloading it from the It's Time website at theriverchristianfellowship.com slash it's time. On behalf of Pastor Mike and the rest of us here at the River Christian Fellowship, thank you for listening and tune in next time for It's Time. It's Time.